Welcome to the Retro Photo Film Podcast, where we break down 50 years of film and digital photography with a true Renaissance man. Grab your favorite darkroom snack. It's time to talk photography with your host, Al Tallene. Hi, this is Al. Welcome to Retro Photo Film Podcast, where I tell you stories that happened in my photos and describe the photos, how I took them, and sometimes the tips and uh, ways that I made the photograph and worked on them in the darkroom. Never know. Today I'm going to talk about a cabin that sort of in the woods. It had a lot of trees around it, but it was actually in the middle of great big fields, which are farm fields, and it was located in a very small community town called Springfield, Idaho. My sister is who owns the log cabin, and it's located just off of a lake that's right there. It was really kind of a really yummy, beautiful, nice place. I really liked going there. My kids loved going there. We all loved being there because it was kind of like out in the woods because of the trees, and the stream that went by was fabulous. Just on the north side of the house, there was a artesian well that just flowed 24-7. And as it flowed, it went down through the stream, and the stream followed all the way along down until it emptied out into the lake, which was kind of like a natural thing for the lake to have fresh water all the time. But anyway, it was it was a great place to be. In the photograph, there's a chicken walking along, and there's a dog trying to go to the house. And there was a barn and several other outbuildings. One was my brother-in-law's workshop because he was a carpenter and builder, and he had his workshop where he kept his tools and made little tiny great things. So this has a lot of memories to me because of the fact that I went there for for quite a few years, taking my children there on vacations as much as we could because they loved playing in the stream. And my sister had horses, chickens, cows, and they loved riding the horses and just kind of being like on the farm. But the most fun thing that ever happened there, well, I can't say it was really a lot of fun, it was kind of like the most memorable thing to me that happened was we had just got there, and it was like on a Friday night. We'd pack up the car and bug out and get there. So that's why it was later in the evening. And as uh, we were sitting there talking to my sister, my brother-in-law walked into the room and goes, um, I've got a cow out there, and it's uh, going to have a calf anytime. It's, it's in the birthing stage, so if you want to come out and watch a a cat be born, that'd be cool. So my kids and I went, yeah, this would be cool. I'm a city guy. And, you know, I spend all my summers on farms, but I never watched a cat be born before. So I thought, hey, this would be great. I want to do this. It was about a half hour into standing there, listening to the cow do a lot of mooing and, and uh, noises. And there was a lot of stomping around. And my brother-in-law said to me, okay, I need you to go and stand behind the cow and just be there for a few minutes while I'm working to help the cow out. And so I said, okay. I'm standing back there, and he says, okay, now what I need you to do while I'm taking care of the cow, and I'm bumped by its head, and he's doing this, and he's calming the cow down and everything. He says, while I'm doing that, I need you to take and use your hand, and I want you to go up inside the cow, and I want you to grab the legs and start pulling them. She's having some problems, and this needs to be done. And I went, what are you kidding? Put my hand up inside the cow? And he goes, yeah. I said, how far? And he goes, oh, I don't know. You'll, you'll feel it when you find the uh, legs. And so I'm like, oh, I'm 
think I'm pretty worried about this. I'm sticking my hand inside of a cow. And so I put my hand in slowly and I rolled up my sleeves and everybody's standing around and my kids are all going, oh, dad, oh, this is, oh, man. And so I slowly and I'm not finding anything and I, I'm not feeling anything. And he goes farther and I'm going, not feeling anything. And all of a sudden, I'm on my armpits up inside this cow. And I'm like, okay, I feel some feet. Grab onto those feet. So I grab the feet, and I'm pulling on the feet and pulling and pulling. And, and finally, two other people behind me are grabbing hold of me and pulling me so that we could get this calf out. And as they pulled harder, I pulled harder, and bam, all of a sudden, the calf came bounding out. He didn't bound out. He's pulled right out, landed on top of me. I fell down, and here is this slimy calf laying all over me. I'm totally soaked with all this stuff. And I'm like, going, what am I doing? But this little calf starts licking my face and licking me and loving me, going, and I'm going, hey, do they identify with the first thing they see? Isn't this supposed to be his mother? And I was like, no, he loves you. So this little calf was totally just loving me. And I didn't care. It was awesome. It was just, it was really, really, really fun to have birthed a calf, been a midwife to a calf, or a mid-husband. Okay, I couldn't be a mid-husband. I was a mid-husband to a calf. So it was one of those wonderful things. We did have lots of other adventures there. My sister had this great little barbecue pit over by the artesian well, because you could have our barbecues and cook and then a table set there and you could hear the water running and the stream was right there going by and it was very enjoyable. The only thing we had to combat a lot of times was the mosquitoes. But if we made a lot of smoke, that took care of the mosquitoes. So it was really good. So this this was a great place to be and play and come and relax. And when we get there at nighttime, and not that particular night with the cow incident. After that, I went to bed. But most of the nights, my nephews lived about four or five miles away, and they would come, and we'd stay up all night watching movies. My niece was a movie freak. My sister was a movie freak, and my nephews were movie freaks, and I was a movie freak. So we'd have all of these, put the VHS player out there and put it on, and we'd just keep watching movies after movies and very enjoyable. And if we had a full house, then all we did was some of us slept outside in tents. I just, I loved putting my tent up there. It was really kind of an enjoyable place. And so I didn't care if I was on a bed or not. We didn't have a lot of mice, but sometimes there were mice. And in the middle of the night, they would run over your legs or over whatever on your sleeping bag on the floor. And when I brought up some of my students, these squeamish females would be laying there. All of a sudden, you'd hear these blood-curdling screams in the middle of the night, and some mouse would run over them. <laughs> It'd take us an hour or two to calm them back down, and we'd have to put them outside in the tent because they wouldn't sleep on the floor again. A lot of fun things. My students did great work, too, because many times we came up, and as you look at this little cabin, you could see that there was a pitched roof that many times needed repair. And we'd come up and work on there and clean up the yard, clean up things and have just this fun time of doing good for somebody else, which was my sister, by the way, which was still great. But still, it meant a lot to my students to have my classes come up there and spend that kind of time and 
we always had good meals and good fun times. And it was great to photograph because the lake was so close by. And there were so many other things around in this little tiny hamlet town kind of thing. Can't call it a one-horse town because I, I think I did that in my Instagram. But my sister really owned five or six horses. So it could have been a one-horse town because it was five or six on this place alone. Every time that I went up, I had this wonderful big dog that went with us. His name was Muzzy, and Muzzy was a St. Bernard lab mix, and so a huge brownish dog. Didn't look like a St. Bernard at all, but he had the height and the jowls of a St. Bernard. He loved being there. He'd jump out of that car, and he would be gone. We wouldn't see him for the next three days, and we were there for a weekend. He <laughs> He would just keep running around, running around. He'd find time to get some food, and then off he'd go again. And it wasn't like he ran on for miles. He just had so much fun running through the water, running by the lake, swimming, doing all this stuff. One time we were there, he found this dead skunk, and oh, it was so bad. And he smelled like a skunk, so we had to keep him outside. So I took the skunk away from him, and I buried the skunk. And I went out there and he dug the skunk back up. So I dug deeper and buried the skunk again. He dug the freaking skunk back up again. I thought, okay, this is it. I'm Swedish. I know what Viking funerals are. So we did a Viking funeral on the lake with the skunk. So Muzzy wouldn't dig the thing up again and be chomping on it. So we've got this little raft that we made. It was very simple and put the skunk on it, put a little sail thing on it, doused him with kerosene and lit him on fire and pushed him out into the lake so that he had this, the only skunk in history to have a Viking funeral. But it was great. And Muzzy didn't chase after the skunk anymore. But he did do, there is a tree almost in front of the house, not the one that's kind of dead on the right side of the photograph, but there's another one there. And something got up in the tree and a freaking dog climbed up in the tree and was like halfway up in the tall of this tree and then was howling because he couldn't get out. We had to get a ladder and pack him back down. Only dog I ever had that went up in a tree and <laughs> to follow something. But that was our mutts. He was a great dog. He actually lived to be 17 and a half years old. He was a super fun dog. I can't even begin to tell you how many kind of family reunion gatherings we had there with family and how many parties we had there for all of the holidays and things. It's just because it wasn't so much central. It was in Idaho, which is like five hours away from here, but it was still enjoyable to be there out in the nature. My brother had an airplane and he was kind of a crazy guy. Not kind of, he really was a crazy guy. He never had a pilot's license, but he owned two or three airplanes. He always flew everywhere with them. He took this airplane and I think it was like on Memorial Day or Labor Day, or it could have been Aberdeen Days, which was in a little town, which is far away. And what he did was he thought, okay, I'm going to take and I'm going to go up and I'm going to drop thousand ping pong balls from my airplane, fly over, drop them down, and there will be numbers on them. And you can turn these numbers in for prizes and for <laughs> candy and things like that. And so he did. He flew this plane, and there's these huge fields out in front of my sister's house, and huge fields behind her house, and huge fields fields beside her house. So she was kind of like isolated in this one little spot, but a lot of trees around it. And he flew the plane over and dumped all these ping pong balls everywhere. There were hundreds of kids. Aberdeen kids came. Everybody came from all over the place, and they were out there looking for – actually, this could have been even the 4th of July. 
I don't remember the dates exactly, but it was a great holiday. But there were kids all over the place picking up these ping pong balls. The wind drifted a bunch, so a lot of them were floating out in the lake. It was a great thing, but it was a very wild thing. That was my sister's last name was Wild, so it can't say that it was like totally a family thing, but it was a very strange thing to do in this little tiny hamlet town. If you're looking at the photograph of the cabin, I think everyone in their lives need a place like this, a cabin somewhere they can go to, and everybody can just be themselves, run crazy, run wild, and all of our children did. We even hooked up a zip line that went from one tree all the way across the yard to the artesian well and it was kind of to the side of it and we brought out like i bought some old mattresses and threw them up against the tree and so we would zip line down there and smash into these mattresses we did a lot of crazy stuff and the good part about this is that like i was saying everybody needs one of these kinds of places to come and go and be and just relax enjoy or spend a lot of fun time around a fire talking and laughing and eating. My mother and my father and my siblings, we have spent so much time around the fireplace there and eating and enjoying conversation and laughing at the kids and what's happening and what's going on and watching my dog run up and down that stream like it was the last day he was ever going to be alive. He needed to run so fast through that stream. These are memories that are made when we do things that are made for our family, for us. And if you don't have a cabin and a place to go like this, find a place that you really can go and do fun things and relax and sit by a fire and enjoy conversation, enjoy food. And food's the best part. You gotta have good food. Wow, if you've got good food and a good fire and good companionship, that's the whole key right there. I don't care how much stress you're going through. It's all gone after something like that. We all need a place like that in our lives. And I really hope that you could find a place or you have a place. And if you do, use it more often. Get out there and enjoy the wonderful things that come from being together with friends, family, acquaintances around a fire with food and family. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mim's Place. Her name was Mary Lynn, but we called her Mim. I Actually, I called her Mim because when I was a little kid, I couldn't pronounce her name Mary Lynn, so I called her Mim. And she was Mim till the day she died. But uh, thanks for listening and hearing these ramblings and stories. And take great photographs out there because you never know when you're going to look back like this on this property or this cabin and go, wow, I love that place and I loved what happened there. Thanks again. See you on the next episode. You have been listening to the Retro Photo Film Podcast. Follow Al on Instagram at Retro Photo Film to see all his latest photos and learn more about the stories behind the photos.